Uh, we're, we're in a, in a series. See how I transition there? We're in a series. I don't know how, so we just go right into it. Uh, called Campfire Stories. And uh, I'm excited about telling you another story today that comes from the Old Testament. And uh, I don't know if some of you dads feel like, like this, but uh, from time to time when we approach Father's Day, um, I find myself, I, I love my kids. I love them so much. I just find myself uh, feeling very inadequate when I think about uh, the calling to raise my kids. You guys ever feel that way? When you're, I mean, if you're honest, do you ever feel like you're just inadequate and uh, you're not good enough? Yeah. I think some of us, some of us feel that from, from time to time. But God, uh, I think, whenever he calls us to a task, he equips us with what we need to fulfill the task he calls us to. And for men and women, for dads and moms and grandfathers and grandmothers, I believe that, that God has called us to in, influence, impact the next generation in a powerful way. And I think he equips us to meet the calling he's given us. And so if you're like me and you feel inadequate from time to time, especially when it comes to Father's Day, I want you to know that you are inadequate. Aren't you glad you came to church today? (laughs) But God's not. And God uses the most unlikely of people to do the most amazing work in this world. He chooses us to be a part of his story. Now, I just want a quick little review on the two campfire stories we've told, him, we've told so far. Don began with Gideon. Do you guys remember the story of Gideon when Don told it? And Gideon was like the weakest, and he was fearful, and he was in hiding. And you, do you remember God came to him and called him, do you remember the, the, the phrase he called him, mighty warrior? He was hiding, <laughs> fearful for his life. And God called him mighty warrior. And then God equipped him to do something that he would never be able to do on his own. He called him and he equipped him. Beautiful story. Don told that. If you missed it, jump on our YouTube channel. You can can go back and listen to that. Last week, we talked about Ruth. And I love the story of Ruth because Ruth was an outsider. She didn't feel like she belonged. And yet, God pulled her into his family. He redeemed her through Boaz. And her choices to love Naomi... And, and receive love from God through Boaz changed the entire course of, of the way God wanted to write human history through Jesus. Ruth, the outsider, uh, was the one through whom the, the line of Jesus uh, went through David continued. Isn't that cool? I mean, it's just an amazing story. Um, and today, I want to tell you a story of somebody you've probably heard of. And it's an interesting story because it, it, he, he's not a dad, as far as we know, Uh, And so it's not a traditional Father's Day story to tell. That's okay, right? Okay. I want to talk about Samson. You guys know, you guys know Samson? Have you, have you, if if you've walked by a church in the past, you probably know Samson. Uh, Sunday school, we love to talk about Samson. What do you know about Samson? Go ahead. You can talk in church. What do you know about Samson? Strong. So, okay. I heard three things really quickly. He was strong. I heard Delilah, Delilah. Do you guys remember Delilah on the radio? Anyway, 
So strong, Delilah, and someone said his hair. Hair. So he had a fine head of hair, apparently. Yeah, those are, those are, all, those are all awesome. And those are the Sunday school versions of, of the story of Samson. But the story of Samson is disturbing if you actually read the whole story of Samson. It's disturbing. And I'm going to tell you this, and you should read your Bibles because there's some crazy stuff in there. But we find God doing things through crazy people and crazy circumstances, and Samson is one of those. Now, Eugene Peterson says this as he's talking about the book of Judges. He says, God can and does work with us in whatever moral and spiritual condition he finds us. Now, that's good news, isn't it? We don't have to clean ourselves up for God to work in and through us. Now, he wants to redeem us, and he wants to transform us. I mean, that's why he sent Jesus, and he gave us the Holy Spirit to do those things in us. Um, But God doesn't wait for us to clean ourselves up to get a hold of us, and that's good news. Uh, God, we are learning in this journey through the Bible, God does some of his best work using the most unlikely people, and I think that's true for us. Now, if you have your Bibles and you want to turn to the story of, of Samson, it's hidden in a little book called Judges, and that's in, near the beginning of the Bible, so it's just a few books in, and the book of Judges, just to warn you, is disturbing. The book of Judges is quite disturbing. There is a lot of uh, bloodshed. There is um, crazy things that happen from the beginning of Judges to the end of Judges, and it's like this down, downward spiral of just humanity um, going to a really dark, bad place. And Samson is found near the end of the book, around chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, right through there. And and here's how it sets up the story of, of Samson. And then the people of Israel were back at it again, doing what was evil in God's sight. The people were back at it again. Doing, doing what was evil in God's sight. Like they just didn't care and they just did whatever they wanted and it turned to chaos. Do you ever feel like our world looks like chaos right now? When, when, when we don't live uh, in, a, in a way that, that represents uh, the ways that God has created us to live, it leads to chaos. It leads to a, a community that is just out of whack and out of order. And that's what was going on in the book of Judges. So the people of Israel were back at it again, and God wants to intervene yet again. And he keeps doing this. He keeps intervening in the story. And it says this, that, that there was a woman, she doesn't even have a name uh, in, in the story, who, who wanted a child but was having a hard times. She couldn't have children. Uh, she finally, God sends an angel and says, you're going to have a child. And she can't believe it. It's one of the only stories in the Bible where an angel shows up to announce the birth of a child. Have you heard a story like that before? <laughs> it happens in, in the life of Samson as well. Like to, to announce his birth, an angel shows up. And it says, when her son was born, she named him Samson. And the Lord blessed him as he grew up. Uh, that's a great line. The Lord blessed him as, as he grew up. Uh, a little context here. Samson took what was called a, a, a Nazarite vow. 
which is kind of a strange thing to think about. Um, he grew up with certain restrictions. Uh, he was set aside, and, and the world would know that he was set aside by certain things that he didn't do. Uh, three things primarily. One thing that he wouldn't do is he, he wouldn't touch a, a dead carcass. So he wasn't allowed to touch like a dead body or be around it or near it. Couldn't touch the dead body of an animal or anything like that. The second thing is he couldn't drink alcohol. That was one of the things. So like drinking wine, which was very common in that day, uh, he couldn't drink alcohol. And the third thing was that he couldn't cut what? His hair. hair. See, you know the story. Couldn't cut his hair, couldn't drink alcohol, couldn't touch a dead body. Are you with me? So he took this vow. This is what would kind of set him aside, the things that he, he wouldn't do. And as he grew up and the Lord blessed him, this next line, I, I want, like if you have your Bibles and you're looking at it, like underline it, highlight it, circle it. Here's what it says. And the Spirit, the Spirit of God, began to stir him. The Spirit of God began to stir him. So we have a picture of the Holy Spirit working in the Old Testament Oftentimes when we don't think the Holy Spirit is working, but the the Holy Spirit's working in the Old Testament. And if you're like me and you come across a phrase like that, you think to yourself, I wish the Spirit would stir me. You ever wish that? Like that God would do something with you and in you and that the Spirit would stir in you? And have you ever thought to yourself, if God did that in an obvious way, I would be his forever. I would actually sing the songs on Sunday morning if God would stir me (laughs) and wake me up. Have you ever felt that way? Um, I'm, I'm a dad, three times over, and every time I held my child, my, my three sons, for the first time, each one of them, three times, each time I held them, I was overwhelmed. Any dads with me? Yeah? Moms, same thing, first time you, you held your child? Grandparents, it's almost the same thing with the grand. I hear it's better with the grandkids, but anyway... The first time, the first time I, I held my, my son, each of them, I was overwhelmed with love and this desire to protect and provide for them. You know what I mean? And I think that is the Spirit stirring us and doing something in us. And I think we just write it off. I think we just kind of set it aside as just like a natural human emotion, it's just a moment. No, no, that is the Spirit stirring us. The feeling that you have the first time you hold that child of wanting to protect and having this overwhelming sense of love, that's the Spirit of God stirring us. And I think He stirs us. I think God stirs us in those moments because He's calling us to a task of raising this child to know him, to love other people. The Spirit of of God began to stir Samson, and he had called Samson. The Bible tells us he had called Samson to intervene in the whole story of Israel, to change the direction and trajectory that the people were on, the chaos that was going on. He called him. Now, I, wanna, I don't have time to tell you the whole story, but I want to just give you some highlights. So uh, he saw this Philistine woman, and she was beautiful. And he didn't care that he was set aside. He wanted the Philistine woman. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but any men ever see a beautiful woman? <laughs> I, 
I grew up in Alabama, and uh, there's something about Southern women. And I, my best friend and I, when we were in college, we said we will never marry a Northern woman. I will never marry a Philistine. <laughs> I will never marry a, a Philistine woman. I said that. And um, Michael. Roberts, um, my, my best friend in, in college, he said the same thing. We will never marry northern women. My wife was born in Michigan. <laughs> I mean, he, he saw her, and, and, he, like, and, and so he, he wanted to marry her, and her, his parents said, no, no, she's from Michigan. You can't marry that woman. <laughs> And they, they tried to talk him out of it. And he, he told his dad, he said, no, no, I want her. Go get her. He told his dad that. And so his dad goes to um, kind of work on the deal like was done in those days and, and try to figure it out. And uh, the story goes that, that Samson was heading over to meet her through the valley. And as he's traveling through the valley, um, he's, he, he's, he encounters a lion. Crazy story, Right. A lion comes upon him. Now, if, if you're an outdoors person and you're out in the, um, the mountains around here hiking or biking and, and a lizard comes up, it freaks you out, <laughs> doesn't it? I've seen some of you. There's a lizard that just moves. It's like tiny, it's, you know, and you, you, it scares you. Can you imagine a lion coming at you? And Samson was so strong that it says that he grabbed this lion and he took it by the mouth and ripped it apart. That's how strong Samson was. And I don't think it was just because he was, had been lifting weights and doing push-ups and, you know, how much can you bench, bro? Uh, it wasn't that. It was, it was the Spirit of God. Like, he, he, was, he was filled with the Spirit. He rips this line apart. He leaves it there, and he goes, and he meets this Philistine woman. And uh, he meets her, they set up the wedding, he comes back home, and he's traveling back for the wedding, he's going to come back and meet her again, and he wants to go and see what he, he's done with the, with the lion, and he goes and he sees this dead lion, and I think he was probably pretty proud of this, I mean, most of us would be, I mean, we kill spiders men in our homes, and we feel like we're the strongest men alive, don't we? I did it, I killed the spider, he killed a lion, he comes back to the lion, and remember, the, Nazar- the Nazarite vow, not to touch what? But out of his pride, he goes back to this dead animal. And he reaches down, and, and some bees had made a nest in the carcass. And he goes, and he takes some honey, and he gives it to his parents, and he takes his first step away from God. Travels up the... the uh, the wedding festiv- festivities have begun, and he wants to throw a party. And it's part of the custom that the, the groom-to-be would throw a party, and so he throws a party. But the language, the Hebrew language here that we find in Judges um, insinuates it wasn't just a regular, like, wedding party. It was, it was a drunken party. And, and, and if you read in the story, you know, now he hasn't just touched a dead animal, but now he's taken what? Alcohol, his second step. Kind of away from God. Away from the calling that he had received and the, and the spirit that had stirred him. And he gives this, okay, so a couple little crazy points. Uh, during the party, he decides to give a riddle. And if anyone can answer this riddle, he'll give them 30 sets of new clothing. Isn't that weird? Bizarre? 
And so his, his future wife, um, she tries to get it out of him. Hey, tell me the answer to the riddle because she's going to tell her friends so that they can get free clothes. It's like this deal that they've worked out or something. And uh, he, he doesn't want to tell her, so he won't tell her. And then she keeps asking him. He won't tell her, but eventually she's so beautiful and, you know, Men are a pushover, we're pushovers when we have beautiful women around us or whatever it is. And anyway, so he finally tells her and she goes and tells her friends and they come back. Samson is so ticked off that this has happened. Instead of going down uh, to Target and buying 30 new outfits to give, as the, he goes to, to a little Philistine village and he kills 30 people and takes their clothes and gives them. I mean, that's what he's done. He's killed them. And he gets back to the village and he's so mad at his wife now that he leaves her. He goes back home. Isn't this crazy? It's in the Bible. We should read the Bible. It's, there's good stuff in here. Um, so he goes back home and, and her father decides that since he's gone, he's going to give her in marriage to someone else. Bizarre, the things that happen. He actually gives her in marriage a second time to his best man from the original wedding. Now, do you think this made him very happy, Samson? We already know he's got a temper. So it tells us that Samson captured some foxes, and to get back at the Philistines, he ties the tails of foxes together, bizarro, with torches lit on fire in their tail. And they run through the grain fields, and what happens when fire touches grain? It burns. So the story tells us that, that he burned all their grain to the ground, including the sheaves and the uncut grain. And the Philistines, uh, when, they, when they found out what had been done and why it had been done, they went and got his wife and her father for what they had done, and they burned them to death. They burned them at the stake. Disturbing, isn't it? And so then Samson's reply is, I won't rest until I take my revenge. Well, wait a minute. You just burned everything that they had. Why do you need revenge now? No, no, I, I won't rest. And, and what we find here is this cycle of revenge and anger and death and murder. And listen, we hear this all the time in our families. There's a cyclical pattern in our families. We are called as fathers and as mothers to love our children, to raise them. But what happens is we get caught in, in these cyclical patterns of pain and revenge and death and selfishness. And we want to get the things that we want to get. And so we set aside our calling to pursue something different. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, the story of Samson is a crazy story, but it begins to open up to us something that happens, I think, these cycles in our lives. So Samson, uh, his, his ravage continues. I mean, he continues to kill. Uh, there's a point at which he picks up, you've probably heard this, he picks up the jawbone of a donkey and he kills a thousand men with the jawbone of a don donkey, which again is a dead body. So two of the three vows he's made, he's turned his back on. But God still is stirring within him. Finally, he meets a woman named... You, you know where the story's going. He meets Delilah. And Delilah's beautiful, and he loves her, and he commits to her, 
And uh, as, as they are in this relationship, Delilah is, is pulled by the Philistines because the Philistines want to kill Samson. They want to overcome him. So they pulled Delilah to the side and they said, find out what his strength is. Where does it come from? And if you read the story uh, through those chapters, she asks him, where does your strength come from? And he lies to her. And so they try to capture her. Like he realizes that she's talking to the enemy. And they try to capture him, but he's lied, so they don't capture him. She asks him again, a second time. He lies again. They try to capture him. Doesn't work. He lies again a third time. Doesn't work. Now, by this time, if I were a Philistine, I would be thinking, I'm not going to listen to Delilah anymore. She doesn't know what she's talking about. But the fourth time is the charm. It says that she went to him and she said, people are just making fun of me now. You don't really love me. If you loved me, you would tell me really where your strength is. And finally he says, it's in, it's in my hair. That's, that's the third commitment. It's in my hair. If you cut my hair, my strength will be gone. Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap. Well, of course she did. I mean, she had him there. She had worked out a deal with the Philistines. They were kind of in lurking, waiting. She lulls him to sleep. She calls in a man to shave his hair. And here's, here's the phrase, and his strength left him. His strength left him. He was captured, and uh, he was paraded around the Philistines because he had no strength or power anymore. And... Uh, he, he finds himself one night, um, they, they bring him out to parade in this big party with like three, 4,000 people. And I think Samson has finally gotten it. He's finally realized what he's done. They've gouged his eyes out so he can't see anything, and um, he has no strength. And uh, this big party, three, 4,000 people around, and they're making fun of him, and he's kind of in the middle of this temple. And he prays uh, one last time to God. And he says, God, give me strength one more time. Um, and God fills him one last time. And, and it says that Samson uh, found himself against the pillars, the two pillars of the temple. And with one last bit of strength, he's able to push those pillars. And the temple crushes him and all the guests at the party. And so as a judge and as someone who was called to lead the children of Israel in a healthy direction, Samson dies. And um, the end of the book is kind of like the end of, of Samson's life. It says this, uh, that Israel had no king. And, um, and chaos ensued. That next, yeah, in those days Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. All the people just did whatever they wanted. God's people who had been called and empowered to receive his blessing and then bless others. It wasn't just for them. They were called to bless others. Um, they walked away from God. They had no king. They had no God, real God. And um, people just indulged in whatever they wanted. Um, a couple thoughts, and then we'll be done. I mean, it's a crazy story, isn't it? Um, 
Big takeaway, if you miss everything else about the story of Samson, don't, don't miss this, that Samson forfeited, he, he made some decisions to forfeit his strength and his calling to indulge his anger and his lust. I mean, really, that was, that was at the heart of what was going on in this story, that he decided that what he had been called to do and what he had been filled by the Spirit to do, he was going to forfeit that to indulge his anger and the lusts that he had. Now, men, I think we do this quite often. And, and this isn't a, now, um, wives, don't nudge your husband right now to try to wake him up or anything like that. Like, just let, just let it be. But, man, I think we do this quite often. I, I think we forget and we set aside the calling that God has given us in our lives to indulge other things. And it might not be anger, it might not be lust. But for some of us, those are the things that, that capture us. Um, anger is one of my underlying challenges, and I, I think I'll fight against it my whole life. There's, there's something, the way that I'm wired, um, there's, there's this, this underlying anger in my life. And when I am pushed too, too far, or, or when I'm too stressed at home, and I think my kids, uh, they would, they would tell you this from time to time, that it's my anger that gets the best of me. Any other guys with me there? Am I alone in that? Any other guys? No? Man, I was hoping. For some, it's lying. So maybe yours isn't anger. Maybe yours is lying. Anyway, I think we often, we often forfeit or we set aside what God's called us to. And we indulge our anger, we indulge our lust, we indulge whatever that is that, that tends to distract us from what God's, God's called us to. Now, some of you are like, really, that's the message today? Like, that's not very encouraging on Father's Day. But here's the encouraging piece, and here's the good news, is that God, at any moment when we turn back to Him, is willing to stir within us again the calling that he's given us and to give us the spirit that empowers us to fulfill the calling that he's given us. Now, that's really confusing. That was a lot of words. Let me try to slow that back and say it a little bit differently. That at any moment, God is ready and waiting that if we'll turn back to him in humility, in honesty, if we'll turn back to him, that God is, is ready to fill us with his spirit once again, to stir within us and to empower us to do the very things that he's called us to, that we can't do on our own. And isn't that good news? That, that, that no matter where you are in your journey, no matter how far I am in my journey of, of parenting, of marriage, of remarriage, of reparenting, you know, all of those stages of life that we're in and grandparenting, all those stages of life, that it's never too late for you and for me. It's never too late. The story is not yet done in our lives. And God is ready and willing to stir in us once again. And that, my friends, is good news today on Father's Day. You dads, you moms, grandparents, like your calling isn't yet finished. Like God still wants to do something in 
and through you. So three little pieces. Now, my dad's a pastor, and so I thought to honor him today, I got to do a three-point sermon. So here it is. And it's going to be super quick. Some of you are worried, like, you're just now starting the three points. (laughs) Super quick. Here it is. The first one is this. I want to challenge you to embrace your calling. And if you're a parent, I think your greatest calling is to your family. My greatest calling isn't to this church, it's to my family. Now, I'm so thankful to be called to this church and to be a part of this church and to journey with this church, but my greatest calling and your greatest calling is not about your business, it's not about your ministry, it's not about missions, your greatest calling is to your family, and you should embrace that and find joy in that. Um, Second thing, so second point of this three-point sermon Um, that we need to learn to exercise forgiveness. I want to challenge you to exercise forgiveness because it's so easy to get caught in a cycle of revenge like Samson did. But we've got to learn to exercise forgiveness. Now, that doesn't mean letting someone abuse us. That's not what I'm saying. But we need to learn to exercise forgiveness and not get caught up in these cycles that we often find ourselves in. And the uh, the third piece is that we have to practice Oh, this word, this concept. Practice, what is it? Self-control. Now, did Samson have this? Well, he did early in his life. It says that he was, he was committed to that vow that he made. He, he did for a while. And as is often the case, he drifted. And when you drift, you don't really think it's a big deal. I killed this lion, and there's some honey, and honey is good. Honey's really good, and I'm just going to get the honey, and it's not a big deal. You know, it's not, I'm not, like, doing anything. I'm just getting some honey. It's not a big deal. That's what happens is we just kind of drift off course. So we got to learn to practice some self-control. So um, we're going to just sing one last song, if that's all right. And you can stand and sing if you want. Um, or if you want to sit and just reflect and, and think, you, you can do that as well. Um, one of the things that I hate in this, this, this moment of transition that we're in is that we don't have all of our stations, our communion and our cross, and they've kind of had us remove that for, for this season. But maybe you can do that just where you're seated today. You can think about if you were going to move to the cross and write something or light a candle. Um, maybe, I know it sounds weird, but to just close your eyes and Maybe just do that internally today. And I want you to know that anytime you turn back to God, He's there with open arms. Would you stand with me as we sing this last song? God, um, you're good. And uh, there are some uh, crazy stories that we find, these campfire stories in the Old Testament. But God, I think in these stories, we learn so much about ourselves and humanity, our tendencies. And that's true with Samson. And uh, so, God, in, in these moments, I pray that we would embrace our calling. I pray that we would uh, exercise forgiveness. That we wouldn't get caught in destructive patterns and cycles, but we would, we would forgive as you've forgiven us. And, and then, God, I, I, I pray that we would practice self-control, that we would work on our self-control And as we do that, I pray your spirit would stir each of us and work in us and through us. In Jesus' name.